for downloading Those Podding Muslims, a podcast brought to you by the charity New Horizons in British Islam. On this episode, what are British values? If that was in the context of the Olympics or Eurovision, I feel like that has a context and of course you can be proud. But when it comes to something like British values that you're pushing in school, how inclusive is it? I get really angry also because I think, why did I know? Why did I not know this before? But I have things like British values shoved down my throat all the time. As of November 2014, schools must promote British values. But what are they? Well, according to Ofsted, fundamental British values are democracy, the rule of law, individual liberty, mutual respect for and tolerance of those with different faiths, and for those without faith. Do you agree with them? Do you think all British people should adhere to them? Do we need such a list of values? Here to discuss this with me are my colleague Shannon and Hera. Shannon, first of all, what do you think of this list that Offset came up with of British, so-called British values? Well, I think it's a really good list. I just struggle to see what makes it specifically British because these are good values to have. But, you know, if an American person <laughs> decides that they subscribe to all of this, then does that make them British? What are we saying about other societies where people, you know, have these aspirations as well? What makes these specifically British, really? Hira, what do you think? Yeah, similar, really. <laughs> I was saying earlier how I was born in Pakistan, you know, Shannon's born in Malaysia, that all of these societies should and I think do subscribe to these values, um, you know, in varying degrees. And I think what we should be pushing for is a more, you know, humanist value or, you know, humanist, the wrong word there, but, you that know, kind of universal? Yeah, there's like yeah. universal global values um, that we all subscribe to. I don't, I'm agreeing with Shannon in that I don't know what makes them specifically British. And I feel that that adds uh, a dimension of tension there that doesn't necessarily need to tension be Tension between? Tension between, so for example, if I'm saying, oh, I follow these British values, what is it saying about my native Pakistan? What, you know, is it, and that's what I mean. I feel it's, an, it's, um, it's a tension that doesn't need to be there if you say that these are values that are universal and for everyone to subscribe to. Okay, let's, let's, let's play on that a little bit because can't it be argued that not every country in the world, if we're talking about human values, does subscribe to democracy, rule of law, individual liberty, mutual respect for those and tolerance with those of faith and none? Actually, okay, they're not specific to Britain, but they're certainly not specific to global values that other countries do. Let's take Pakistan. You know, there are values there that actually they may not adhere to or, you know, outwardly adhere to. There are countries, there are other countries around the world that was Actually, you could argue they definitely don't subscribe to it. So you could argue they are British values because we do. Everyone in Britain does subscribe to these. No, I don't agree with that. So, for example, the rule of law, it might not be Britain's rule of law, but Pakistan has its own rule of law, and surely we expect societies there to adhere to those rules. And similarly, I think the one you're probably thinking of is individual liberties and um, tolerance for other religions. Pakistan does have that as part of its constitution, as part of its founding constitution. Um, I admit that there are problems with um, the protection of minorities in Pakistan. 
Well, I think there's a problem in the way we're framing it as well, because we make these seem as though they are self-evident, they've always been here, but these values are works in progress. People had to fight for them. I mean, Britain wasn't always a democracy. Just look at the history of the monarchy in this country and the development of parliament, right? All the struggles for workers' rights, for universal suffrage, you know, the feminists, the suffragettes in the early 20th century. So these are values that have to be fought for. They're not handed on a platter by the state. So now to codify them as British values, we make them seem like they've always been here since time immemorial. They haven't been, and there are still things that are wrong with this country. For example, the huge, huge controversy of the invasion of Iraq in 2003. In 2003. And also, I think if you talk to anyone who's a human rights activist in the country, speak to anyone from Liberty, for example, and they will tell you there are still lots of things wrong with British democracy and that people have to fight for their democratic rights. But isn't it part of that, because people fought for these values, that they're almost proud to uphold them and say, yes, these are British values, we fought for them. So kind of they want to boast about these being British values because they fought for them, no? You could but kind of spin that on its head. But then wouldn't you say that all countries and all societies have fought for their values that are in place in their countries? I and are still fighting for them. Right? Yeah. yeah, and I feel like, so I don't, again, I feel it's much more healthy to say that these are universal values that we should all be proud of, that society has gotten to this level where we can enjoy this without coding it, as Shannon said, in this sort of national rhetoric. It feels like sometimes when I hear this conversation, if you don't agree with you guys, it may sound like that actually you're just rejecting Britain. Actually, you know, we're proud of to call these our values and by not describing them as British values you're, and wanting them to be human values, which, are, you know, it's all good and well and very noble, but actually it feels like maybe to someone hearing that you're rejecting Britain, no? I think what I'm opposed to is this black and white idea of what it means to be British because I know when I talk like this, it might sound like I'm anti-British values, I'm anti-Britain. I'm not. If you, if you ask me about some of the people who've inspired me the most in my life to do what I do, they have been British and they have been very... They, they, they've painted a very uh, persuasive picture of what re being British or English in this case means to them. People like George Orwell, Octavia Hill, great social reformer, William Morris, you know, the great socialist and artist. These are all, I think, icons of British culture, of British values. But did they only see themselves that way? I don't think so. I think they saw themselves as British plus plus. Right. So I think that's where I would go with it, you know, a yeah. more inclusive identity that doesn't sort of, it's, it's not jingoistic, it's not about beating your chest and saying, yeah, these are yeah. British values. Is it, is it kind of that? Is it that by, by calling it British values, you kind of feel like it's a bit uber, ultra nationalistic in a way? Yeah, which I would like? argue isn't very British. So I, 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 <laughs> I have always been quite proud that yeah. we, um, you know, we're not super nationalistic. We don't have this sort of American patriotism. You know, it's a quiet kind of, yeah, we're British, but yeah. You know, but, we've got lots of other things going for but us. But let me challenge that in a way. You'd be very proud to call yourself a proud Londoner. Yeah. Why doesn't that match up then? Um, well, you know, you could have a whole argument about being <laughs> London-centric and blah, 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 blah. But I, th I feel like... I feel like Londoner is probably, for me, a stronger identity than British, which I find, especially when you're talking about regions like Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland, I question how, how much they feel British, especially when it comes to minority voices, is 
this British identity only put upon English minorities, whereas you have you know, people who are maybe Scottish Muslims or Welsh Muslims who genuinely most of the time don't have a problem with identifying with these regional um, tones. And in that similar way, I don't genuinely see a problem with me calling myself a Londoner, being really proud of the Londoner. I think a whole heap of questions come out when you start bringing the British aspect of it. And as Shannon said, it is a lot to do with colonialism and the so history. Is it just, is, is it that you can't get away from it? It's just when you say British values or say proud of Britain, it's just tied up in colonialism and we're just never going to get away from that? Well, I think it has this context. Sorry, Shannon. No, 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 but um, with proud of Britain, if that was in the context of the Olympics, or if that was in the context of, you know, some sort of sporting achievement, I, or, or you know, even when we have um, Eurovision or whatever, I feel like that has a context, and of course you can be proud, but when it comes to something like British values that you're pushing in school, how, how inclusive is it, is I suppose the question. Well, I think I want to go back to a point that Hera made, which I think is really profound, and which struck me a lot when I first came here in 2010. I was struck by how the Muslims I met from Scotland were all Scottish Muslim. Mm. The, Muslim my, the Muslims I met from Wales were all Welsh Muslim. But why do Muslims in England have to be British Muslims? Yeah. And you know, because, and there's, there's, because part of that is as a British Asian, there's no, there doesn't seem to be a term for me in an, in, there's no such thing as an English Asian or an English Indian. There's no such But why not? Because I think that that is the unsettled question of the difference between English identity and British identity. And I think it's been there from the start. Yeah. So this discomfort with what British means is also about you know where England sits, where Englishness sits in the hierarchy of what it means to be British, right? So if we talk about British values, how, how British is the Scottish Nationalist Party? Right. How British is Plaid Kimru, right? <laughs> right? Are we going to go down that road? I think maybe we can, but we have to be honest if we go down that road and say, well, maybe everyone's a little bit British sometimes, but there are other times when everyone really isn't. Because when the English talk about being British, maybe what they really mean is that they're talking about Englishness, right. not Britishness, yeah. right? Let's, let's take this, put this into a Muslim context as well, because we talk about British values in the Muslim context, sometimes in schools or just generally about integration, that sort of thing. Where do you think British values and Muslim communities in Britain, how does that pair up for you? How does that fit? Does it, is there, because don't we need something to kind of point towards to say, you know, we live in this country, in this, this nation, this is kind of what we did. Don't we need something? How, how, how do you find the two pairing up? Or do they at all? Um, I, I, th I think community-focused, grassroots-focused initiatives always work better than a top-down approach, than having you know, someone on a podium talking about British values, when what you need to be doing is working with the communities and seeing what issues are there specific to that community. So you know, I always use this as an example, but saying FGM is a Muslim problem um, I mean, it's a Muslim problem for some Muslims. It's not a Muslim problem for Muslims of the South Asian heritage. So it's, it's sort of finding out what issues affect different communities and working with them to resolve that rather than saying you must sign up to this manifesto. Right. What about you, Shannon? Does there need to be some sort of... All right, let's scrap the term British values, but does there need to be some sort of a, a charter or something? Again, it really just, it makes me really uncomfortable because I think it ignores the fact that if we're talking about British Muslims, they've been integrating for decades, if yeah. not centuries. You know, the Indian Curry House was an institution that was set up by Bangladeshi migrants. 
you know, the coffee houses here were a Turkish Ottoman import that the English found so fascinating. Mm. English or British, but they found it fascinating, <laughs> right? And, and things like Othello, written by Shakespeare, who is this Moorish king that he's writing? No, it's not Moorish king, sorry, the Moorish general, whatever he is, Othello. That's, that's a Muslim, right? That was being written about in Elizabeth, Elizabethan England. <laughs> <laughs> but these, are, you know, you talk, you, these are cultural things, aren't they? And they're the great additions and make Britain what it is sort of thing. But I'm talking about those, those principles, those values that do we need something that contains that? I don't know. We do need something, but I think it needs to happen with the buy-in and the support of the communities involved. Right. So at this stage, I think British values feels very imposed upon right. Muslim communities. It doesn't feel like we've had any role in developing this and becoming an active part of it, mm. right, with our, through our own free will. Um, and, you know, for, and that's why I think... I latch on to these things. So the idea that Oxford and Cambridge are these wonderful English institutions, but they're modelled after madrasas in the Muslim world. You know, they're modelled after Al-Azhar in Cairo, right? So when we find out these things, I mean, as a Muslim, when I find out these things, one, I feel very relieved, very inspired, like my people are not just terrorists, we, doesn't, we don't just blow things up, right? So it's, it's that basic. But then on another hand, I feel like, I get really angry also because I think, why have I not? Why do not more people know this? Why did I know? Why did I not know this before? But I have things like British values shoved down my throat all the time. I see. Fair enough. I think my final point was just going to be because you you are Shannon. The question: Do we need something like this? I. I, again, don't think we do. I, think, <laughs> I genuinely don't think we do. I mean, I, I didn't have it, and I don't see a need for it. And if there is something, I think it needs to be more about, you know, a global community. Um, I think we've all seen the fallout with Brexit and Trump, and it makes everyone really worried. And I feel when you go down this nationalist route, those are, you know, the fringes of what can happen. And I, what we need to do is working together a lot more, having more of a cohesive global community and having a real sense of responsibility for other human beings in other parts of the world. Okay, so I'm going to just quote some things off off the Twitter account at So Very British. Have you ever followed them? It's hilarious. Yeah, oh, it's I think really, I really them. funny. <laughs> at So Very British. So these are things that they basically tweet every day uh, as being very British things. So <laughs> being unable to stand and leave without first saying, right. Uh, not, <laughs> not hearing someone for the third time, so just laughing and hoping for the best. That happened yeah. to me downstairs with the security guard. Oh, right. I was just laughing. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. Saying anywhere here is fine when the taxi is directly outside your front door. Um, <laughs> uh, what else is a good one? Sorry, is anyone sitting here? Translation: Unless this is a person who looks remarkably like a bag, I suggest you move it. <laughs> um, what's the most British thing about you? Would you say, Hira? Um, well, I said it before, and it happened to me today. I have a real passion for queuing, and it really winds me up when people jump the queue. So I was standing in queue at M&S. Don't know if I can say that. Other <laughs> supermarkets are available. Yeah. <laughs> and then the cashier opened up another till. And then the lady behind me just took her and her friend to that queue, and I was like, excuse me, I was next. And she was like, oh, well, you can go now. And I was like, well, there's no point, because you've, you've started just Were you a bit arsy now. about it? Were you a bit I like... was a bit arsy, because there's a system, guys. Right? 
There's Sorry. a system. <laughs> Follow the system. <laughs> I think that's very unbritish of you to even raise it. Someone like myself would have just oh, stood there just and just mumbled. See oh. that? Yeah. Oh, well, I could feel the anger boiling. I was like, we have a system. It's fair, you know? Shannon, as a Malaysian person, what's the most British thing about you? He's British Malaysian. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think passive-aggressively apologizing for things that are not my fault. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. So, Hera, if you had told that woman off for jumping the queue by saying, sorry, <laughs> instead of excuse me... <laughs> I think that would have been really British. That yeah. might have been what I might have done. You, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> You've just cut the queue. Sorry for putting you in your place. But, uh... <laughs> Sorry for pointing out how arsy you are. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. Manish, what about yourself? Oh, mine was going to be a queuing story as well. But this uh, is, I only realised how British I was, when, or this particular thing. This is a British value, queuing. No, when I was in India and it was, I, th- I think it was a Taj Mahal that I was queuing up for to see and I thought there was a queue. I, it looked like <laughs> a queue to me and I was just standing there or maybe I was just standing there randomly and this little old lady just jumped right in front of me. And I was like, I was looking around, like looking for Where's the, the authorities. Like, this little old lady? And I didn't say anything. But obviously I wouldn't say anything because I'm British. <laughs> <laughs> I have one final one, which, on. an, which an American friend pointed out, because we both went to this talk, mm. which was advertised as starting at 5.30, prompt start, please. All right. uh, and we looked at our watches, and it was 5.40, and she's from Minnesota. She turns to me, she says, prompt start my ass. <laughs> which I think I realized. for listening to this episode of Those Podding Muslims, brought to you by the charity New Horizons of British Islam. If you like this, why not check out our other work at nhorizons.org or find us on social media. Thanks for listening.